Welcome, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Black Create Connect podcast. So we speak with some of the most inspirational, influential, the most wonderful creative journeys that exist in the black space. And today we have, I'll, I'll call you a legend, I'm not going to lie, I've, I've known about Ramel from I've been in uni. So this for me is like a full circle moment for me personally because you're, you're a presenter, you're killing it, you've got beautiful vibes, she's a Christian, she's she's got a, her mainstream platform. Everyone, wherever you are, give it up for Ramel London. Thank you. Thank you for having me. First of all, big up yourself because this platform is amazing. Thank so um, it's good to see Thank you. Thank you so much for supporting it. I really appreciate it. And um, I, I know that we've got the thing in common where you like to connect people. I, I know that that's something Definitely. that you like to do. So Definitely. I want to get onto the mainstream a bit later. Yes, that's fine. But um, first things first, what I like to do with all guests is always go back to who you are, where your journey started, because okay. there's a lot that you're doing now. There's a lot that you've achieved. Yeah. But I want you to take it away with where the story of Ramel London started. I mean, there's, I feel like there's quite a few layers to it because, like, growing up, I I lived... I grew up as an only child with my mum. She's Guyanese, um, but I'm British-born. And I was surrounded by a lot of family mm. and also had extended family because I have uh, six siblings from my dad. Yeah. Oh, you said only child. Yeah. I saw six siblings. So I was like... Okay, I grew yeah. up as an only child with my mum, but, like... When you, like, my um, my dad's side of family all live in South London. So as soon as you go to South London, I'm, like, a big sister. So um, so I feel like I've always kind of been figuring out what my identity is. As, and I'm half Nigerian as well. My dad's mm. Nigerian, my mum's Guyanese. So, like, I've always been looking for my identity and, like, who I am. And, like, I'm surrounded by really boisterous, loud, creative cousins and, mm. and siblings. And, like, we all do something in the creative space or in, like the sports space. So it's 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 been a lot being an only child but from a really big family. So from back in the day, you you were aware of the the industry, the entertainment industry, the creative industry. I was yeah. very much aware that I wanted to do something creative. Like it's like from the moment I was like whenever I was with my, my cousins or whatever, mm. I'd always be like, okay, cool, let's do this game or let's do this dance or let's do this performance. Or if my friends came over, like, oh, I've heard this new song, we need to create something to it. Like, I've always wanted to create. Mm. And and one of my cousins, um, she's a very successful like theatre director as well, Ola Ince. Mm. Same. Whenever she was around, it's like, cool, we need to make up this dance. We need to do, 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 do. Mm. And we're always like, okay, cool, let's go. She's like, oh, I went through my dad's CD collection. Let's play this song and make a dance to it. <laughs> like that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The thing is, I love it because I used to do the same thing yeah. to my sisters. Whether they liked it or not, like, they used to be like, you used to make us do dances when we didn't know the routines and show us. Like, Literally. it's just... Like, I'd so... go through the Argos catalogue, I'd see something new and fun and like, I'd be like, okay, let's buy a skateboard. Let's buy roller skates. Like, let's go outside and let's explore. Like... I was always very much like, let me try this, let me try that. So I always knew I was a a doer. Mm. Anything I see, I want to try it. Mm. Anything I like, especially like things I saw on TV. Like so, you know, smart guy used to be on Disney Channel. Mm. He done tap dancing. Me and my cousin said we wanted to do tap dancing. We put our school shoes on, went in the kitchen, scuffed up my mum's floor. She was like, "What's going on?" (laughs) We said we want to do tap dancing. So now she's like, "Not in my kitchen." So now we have to now go through the yellow pages and look for a tap dancing class. Like, that's how proactive we were. I was probably like eight, nine. So what did your mum say? Like, when like when you said, okay, I want to do this class, mum. She I was do like, this, oh, okay, find it then. 
Like, literally, she was very much like, whatever you want to do, okay, let's go, let's go for it. But meanwhile, she had no money for any of these things. So I was signing up to free courses, begging my mum to do payment plans for these, like, musical theatre, this or whatever. But um, but she never said no, which was amazing because I'm my only child. My mum was a single mum. I'm my only child. Even though I was able to see my, my, my mm. dad and, like, mm. visit my grandparents and that kind of stuff, I lived in a single-parent household mm. and my mum... Always said, all right, let's try it. She just said yes all the time. Yeah. No restrictions. Yeah. That's amazing. But again, it would end <laughs> when the free trial was done. <laughs> She'd be like, okay, it's, it's Yeah, or the summer now. scheme. Like, I yeah. did every summer scheme there was. Athletics, musical theatre. Oh Is my it? gosh, everything. Anything free? I was there. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, all these things are good because I feel like it builds your character. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was always looking for something. Yeah. Like, what can I do next? What can I try? So I think being an only child and, and like my mum have given me encouragement to do that, but also being around other other young cousins, siblings, mm. I'm always like, okay, you do that, I do this. Da, da, da. We're always just finding ourselves. So yeah. And just creating together. Yeah. So when you... When you're young and you're trying all these different things, you're doing dance, musical theatre, you're doing sports, did you have an idea as to what direct, clear direction you wanted to go into? So it wasn't until I was 15. Yeah. Um, again, I was at a musical theatre, like, after school thing. And it was mm. quite a big deal. Like, we did a performance of, like, The Wizard of Oz at mm. um, Sadler's Wells' small sister theatre, the mm. Lillian Bayless. Mm. That was a big deal. Like in North London, like Sadler's Well, Lillian Bayless, massive, like known for dance mm. and like theatre. So um performed there, was really proud. And then it got to like end of term and they were like, cool, you can do whatever you want. We're going to do a little showcase. Okay. And improvise guys. And the girls I was with, they were very much like more sexually advanced than me. And I was just like, a child yeah <laughs> like you should be yeah. but they were like at the time i think moulin rouge had come out and they were like we should do a scene from moulin rouge i said sorry my mum is coming to the show you want me to do a scene can you literally like they literally planned and they were like yeah we can go and summers i was like no no and no, summers. no 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 at 15 what we're not gonna do is wear lingerie <laughs> okay. on stage and do sexy dances in yeah. front of my mum and aunts. No. That's not happening. And yeah. then, it, it for the first time, it made me think, what if I'm forced to do a role that I don't want to do, that I don't want to agree with? Mm. From, from So from that day, I started looking at other avenues of how I can perform, but still have control. And mm. that's when the idea and like the, I guess the opportunity of presenting, presenting came to my mind, came to fruition. Do you remember how you got to presenting? Because... I feel like when I think about presenting, my first exposure to it, this is going to be really, really strange. You would think it's Oprah Winfrey. It was yeah. actually Wendy Williams. Fair. Yeah, like that, that was yeah, my first. Whoever your first experience is watching TV, like, yeah. I have a list of people that I used to who, watch. So who, so who who kind of so inspired you? Obviously, Oprah Winfrey, like that used to come on Channel 4. My mum used to record it. Mm. So I always had clips of the Oprah Winfrey show, just reruns in my house. Um, Ricky Lake. That show bang. Yeah, we <laughs> Maury Povich. Regardless, was regardless of all the like, you're the father yeah. or you're not the father. The Maury Povich show was a really yeah. good show. Like they really were like getting to the nitty gritty of like yeah. human Deep interest stuff. stories. Yeah. yeah. And obviously in the UK, Trisha. Trisha. Yeah. I remember 
Patricia. Listen, I watched <laughs> chat shows. And I think it's because, again, my mum was a single mum. She yeah. was at home quite often. And it would just be running, like, even in some holidays. Chat shows, chat shows. So I watched chat shows a lot. So my first thing was, I'm going to Google what these people, like, studied. Yeah. And the majority, Trisha, Maury, and quite a few... Um, came up as doing broadcasting or broadcast journalism. Yeah. So I automatically knew that's a course I should be doing. So I actually studied broadcast journalism at uni. That's so advanced for you to look at what they were studying. I feel like that's something people do now because of LinkedIn yeah. and because of Instagram and everything. But back then, no. I just but... thought there must be a common thing yeah. here. And like, you know, Oprah's a journalist. You know, she was a new news broadcaster. So I thought, okay, cool. Let me start off as a new pro- news broadcaster. Yeah. And that's what broadcast journalism is. So you went to Leeds, right? University. Tell us about what it was like to study broadcast journalism at Leeds. Um, In all honesty, I didn't enjoy the course, but I'm very grateful for the course now because it's taught me everything I know. Um, I really enjoyed being at Leeds Uni. Um, Made like lifelong friends, both in the uni and outside of the uni, which is kind of crazy. Um, I was able to really figure out who I wanted to be. So I really knew that news journalism is a great skill to have, but it's just not something I want to pursue. Like I can't, I couldn't see myself being on Sky News, IT, ITV News. Hard journalism is not nice. It's dark. It's very gloomy. I've I said this recently. News is never good. No, you're right. You know. Now you're saying it, and I think about your hair to the five o'clock news, and today we've had stabbings and this and that. Right. That's all. That's all you hear. When is it good? uh, Like that. and finally, like yeah, that last yeah. piece is the only nice bit, if that. Yeah. So, and and uh, especially when I was at uni, the um, Madeline McCann story broke, and like oh, yeah. our our teachers were like saying, you know, this is real hard news here. You know, get research people, stay up to date with it, and I'm like, oh, this is dreary. Because they 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 told you, they encouraged you, like watch the news regularly, take notes, make tips, that like, you know. Yeah. I was like, I'm not watching the news. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I literally, I literally. Was like, nah, I'm going out. Like, <laughs> like, literally, I did not watch the news. and um, But instead, I was really interested in events. So I started going to, like, all the, like, ACS events. I was also the um, vice president of my ACS at uni, um, Afro-Caribbean Society, for those mm. that don't know. Um, I was very active, like, socially, like, always, and not just, like, raving, like, you know, if there was a function, like, you know, oh, we're all planning to go to do a cinema trip. We're all planning to go out to mm. eat. All, like, I was always like, I'm down, I'm here. And, like, back then, you know, social media was just starting to pop, like, especially with Facebook. So, mm. like, you know, we was always sharing events. This is what's happening. Da, 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 da. And people kind of knew me in Leeds as being the girl. Like, people literally be like, oh, what, what's what's happening? What what you're yeah, like, what you Yeah, like, I was, like, literally, like, you know, back then you had Facebook groups yeah. and, like, you used to run, like, club guest lists on Facebook. So I was often, like, a promoter for events that like, my friends were putting on and all that kind of stuff. So um, I knew entertainment was definitely the direction I wanted because mm. I was so intrigued by, like, music events, showcases, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was very a quick understanding that, okay, I'm at uni for this degree, but, like, I'm going to try and gain some fun experiences and life life lessons from it too. So, yeah. You travelled to other unis quite a lot, didn't you? I feel like yeah, you did. Yeah, you came yeah. to my uni. I'm sure you did. I think like, I got booked. This is after uni. I got uh, booked for quite a few things at like... What, what uni? Hertfordshire. Yeah, I got booked for Hertfordshire. 
used to get books for like Leeds and Leeds Uni and Bradford Uni were very like close. Like mm. not they're like a little train ride away, but like we always did events and like they'd book me for events at their their campus. And then yeah, even after graduating, I came back to Leeds to do a couple of events. Nottingham Trent was again another nearby uni where I'd go mm. and like do rave promo with them and yeah. Was out. I was out. What what was the going feedback then for um Oh, back then, it was free for the bands. Oh, is it? <laughs> so you just used to be like, yeah, let me just go get some experience yeah. and have a good time. Especially uni days. Like, yeah. that's experience. Like, yeah. who knew what fees were? And like, again, our, our lecturer, even though she weren't saying go and film raves, but like, our lecturer was like, hey, make a showreel. Get content. Mm. Like, you know, keep be productive. Like, yeah. make the most of free time. You're a uni student. Like, you've got access to like student loans and stuff. Go and go and do whatever. Like, do your stuff, yeah. Do you know what? Thinking about it as well, I kicked myself in the butt for not starting a YouTube in uni. Like yeah. I'm so I'm like Alicia, you me- you fumbled the bag. Uh, like that was a perfect time. You had so much time on your hands, and you was there just eating pizza and going raves. Like it was. <laughs> I'm so annoyed with myself. But so you started from? Did you start YouTube from then? Um, funnily enough, no, but. <laughs> sound old. YouTube is still kind of new. Okay. So like I graduated 2010. So YouTube was oh, like wow. still just bubbling. Okay. And like our lecturers were like, oh, try this new thing. There's Called this YouTube. Thing. Yeah. Like literally. <laughs> like literally. Back then blogging was very big. We were all bloggers. Like all bloggers. What was bloggers back then? What did that look it like? It was just like, you'd have your own website. Like mine was romelolondon.blogspot.com or .co.uk or whatever. And like you just do a post. And what did you vlog about? I used to post about events, new okay. music, anything UK. I was at I Love Live last night. I was at Urban Development last night. This is what happened. Take a couple uh, pictures. So it was literally like your own news bulletin, basically. Okay. So um, blogging was massive back then. So many people in the industry blew up because of blogging. Like that really? was that was how a lot of journalists got into the game. Like so many people that. Like, you know, went on to write for The Guardian or NME mm. or all these big, like, publications. They were bloggers. So blogging ah. was massive. So when when your teacher's telling you about this new thing called YouTube, yeah. do you remember what you thought about YouTube? Did you think anything of it? Did you think this is the next big, big thing? Or was you like, oh, whatever? Oh, I definitely knew I had to get involved. Right. But, like, and back then, like, we just didn't know how to use it. Like, how to edit. Like, you, like... It's like, it's the the only way I can describe it is like, you, let's say like you're testing a camera for the first time, you're filming mm. it, you film yourself and you just upload. That's what we were doing. On a Walkman or Blackberry. Like, like, yeah, on an old phone. Like, yeah. I, like, I'm pretty sure it's still on my YouTube channel. I entered, funnily enough, a radio competition for Choice FM, something. It's still vertical. On my page, mm. it should have been that way. <laughs> Wait, it's it should be. It should be um, not vertical. It's still horizontal. horizontal. Yeah, so it's in landscape mode. Yeah, but I am leaning, <laughs> so it should be in portrait. Do you know what I mean? So back then, it I didn't know. Oh, I could have rotated the video and uploaded, but I just uploaded it as it was. Hope someone watches it. Like what? You, why must someone turn their head? 
to see you talk. Like that's yeah. how ridiculous it was back then. It's just like, yeah, just upload and see what happens. And like, it's probably still got like two views to this day because it's such an old video. It never got traffic. It never got like- to get one more view at least. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like it's such a, it was such a like new thing. Mm. No one knew you had to edit. No mm. one knew you could put text, transitions. There was none of that. Shoot and upload. And like, and that's it. Hope for the best. As well. Yeah. Did you ever, um, what's it? Did you ever cover that in your broadcast journalism degree? Did I teach you how to do any video and editing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 100%. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing. But we didn't associate YouTube with... Editing. With, like, we were learning to make TV. Uh... So we weren't learning to make... YouTube, which is now known as digital content and for content creators. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was just like, YouTube is there where like nerds are like doing coding or game, like that's the gamers. gamers. Yeah. yeah. That's where gamers went. Not, unless we were like, re like when we really started to realise, oh, you can make a showreel and put it on there. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. Like those things clicked a little bit later. So yeah. before it was just a, a weird place where like people would upload cat videos or like, do you know what I mean? Like back in the day, it was weird. Yeah, it was. YouTube wasn't a fun, it, oh my God, no. personalities. It was, oh, there's a cat. <laughs> it was just, and you know what? I actually remember back in the day, YouTube being a video where we'll just watch funny videos, yeah, exactly. potentially from Jamaica. Yeah. Or like, my dad would be like, look at this pun YouTube, and we're, we're looking at <laughs> a random so man and then from home, we're like, okay. Like, so that's what I remember it being. I don't remember it ever being this platform to watch content or right. get advice or, yeah. It's Come a long way. Completely <laughs> changed, right? So you actually started in radio in uni, right? Yeah, so I had a radio show. Um, called the Funky Monkey. <laughs> Remember, where did that name come from? <laughs> so, there was a hip hop song okay. called Funky Monkey by the Beastie Boys, I believe. And also, I loved Funky House. Okay. So, I just associated it with, I heard the hip hop song, and then I was like, that's an interesting phrase. And then I was like, I love Funky House. So it wasn't that I was referring to myself as a monkey. Mm. It was just like, oh, it's the Funky Monkey show. Like, mm. it's just a fun phrase mm. to say. And um, yeah, what I used to do was, so on LSR radio, excuse me, Lee Student Radio, uh, I actually, kind of what you were saying about kicking yourself for not doing more things at uni. Every year without fail, I miss the application window to get my own show. That like a regular show. So I always ended up being like a cover presenter. So if someone right. was sick or away, they'd be like, oh, you can have this slot. So I'd have like an ad hoc Funky Monkey show randomly, like once a month or whatever. Yeah. And um, I'd always have like UK artists or like music producers or DJs that are doing their thing in the, in the, in the Funky House scene, especially, mm. and like kind of put them out there. So mm. back then, like, yeah, there were so many different artists, like Little Silver, uh, funnily enough, my husband, who's a funky house producer called Footsteps, mm. um, Roscar, um, and back then there were like um, hosts like uh, Trilla Tremaine Trilowski, and I like, all do you know those. what I mean? Like, yeah. people like that I'd have on the show because I really loved celebrating what the funky house movement was at the time. Mm. So I just wanted to give a platform for, for that. How did you connect with them back in the day? So for people that Facebook, man. Facebook yeah. was, was where you connected. Facebook was everything back then. Like uh, that was all we had. Yeah. Literally, there was no MySpace, Bebo. MySpace had died out at that point. Okay. Bebo, yeah, yeah that was that, like yeah, a kind of was... kids thing. Yeah, Facebook, Facebook was new. 
Mm. Like, especially, so again, I, I joined uni 2007. And like the only way to keep in touch with your course, like so your course mates would set up a group. Hi guys, we're leaving all yeah. the class notes in here. <laughs> and <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything was a group and like everything was like, oh my gosh, we got tagged in these photos last night at the club. Oh my gosh, tiger, tiger. <laughs> like literally, like Facebook was everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was really easy to reach out to artists back then. And um, no hassle. They'd just be like, yeah, man, I'm down. And you kind of bought Funky House to Leeds back in back then. I they, tried. Okay, what what happened? What was the? I tried. So again, I had another um another station another show. <clears throat> excuse me, on Fresh FM. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot the name of it. It was a pirate radio station. Okay. So again, I made friends with a lot of Leeds people, and I was like, yeah, "What's the like popping station in Leeds?" And they mm. were like, "Fresh FM." Man, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna find Fresh <laughs> FM." Found Fresh FM, got in touch. I was like, "Look, I want to do a show similar, Funky Monkey." I can't remember what I actually called it actually. Um, but yeah, that was another regular show. I think it was every Thursday night. I was on there seven till nine. Traveled to the like the hood. Really? Yeah, but it was it was cool because it was just like it's just a black area. Yeah, like in okay. Leeds, that like, is like oh the hood is, but it's like it's just the black, the black area. area. Like that's where you get your your weave, your braids, your, yeah. your good food, all that kind of stuff. So, and like yeah, I was just I very much got comfortable living in Leeds. Like I didn't mind going nowhere. So um, yeah, again, pirate radio. So so I'd pre-record all my shows mm. using uni equipment and then play it out. On, student, on on the private radio station because they didn't have a, a recorded system like fancy stuff at uni because oh, it was pirate radio. Used to pay my subs twenty pound a week or something crazy. You like had to that. pay to go to radio. Yeah, pirate so, radio. So that wasn't different. a scam. No. Back in the day, someone told me I think it was on top of FM to have a no, show. No subs. I didn't. And I was like, you're scamming me. That's like keep <laughs> the lights on, baby. <laughs> and also, pirate radio is illegal. So they're like, yo. I know. Like we need to make money. Yeah, like we ain't like. Well, I'm pretty sure they did run ads as well. But um, they're like, listen, twenty pounds a week you have to pay. Yeah, twenty pound a week. But listen, again, yeah. I wanted to be on radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. And um, yeah, and you know, I tell people, yeah, I'm gonna play you on the best radio station in Leeds. Da, 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 da. So people in London were like, oh, sick, I'm getting exposure in Leeds. Nice, mm. nice, nice. And um, yeah, again, it was just playing Funky House, showing a little bit of London because in in Leeds at the time. Baseline, dubstep, that was massive. And mm. I was like, there's a fine line. Like, I think Funky House can mix in. And yeah. a lot of the Leeds DJs I knew, I was like, yo, I've heard these tunes in London. You lot should be playing them in Leeds as well. And they were like, cool, we're down, blah, blah, blah. So you had influence from young. I was just like, scene. I just love sharing the things I loved. Mm, mm, so I was like, you know, you lot need to hear this. Da, 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 da. And like, so I got really, really close with a lot of like the DJs in Leeds. And yeah, even when I was in the ACS, Funny story is before they became KIG, the guys that made Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes, the oh, Funky yeah. House song, I knew the DJ of K, um, KIG mm. and I booked him to play in in, in Leeds. Mm. That was second before year Head, uni, Shoulders, Knees and Toes? Before Head, Shoulders, Knees okay. and Toes. And the joke is, no word of a lie, they played it in Leeds. So that's probably like 2008. Mm. And we were like, okay, it's all right. Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes? Yeah, they played it. We were like, it's all right. A year Later, they were booked headliners at a club, same leads. We were Is like, it? hey boys, and I remember. Like, we were like, <laughs> we know famous people. Like, it was so funny. So it was like, yeah, like, it was nice that 
something because I was so passionate. I was I booked DJs to come and play for ACS. Yeah. And then a year later, they're headlining. And they're like, come through, man. We'll see you there. Get oh. you a ticket. Get you a drink. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a part of it, Literally guys. VIP. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was nice to just see my my love of music. Like, or n- nice to do, rather. Mm. And share my love of music. So, yeah. I love that. And do do you think that Funky House stayed when you left? Was it something that stayed there? Oh, no, nah, that, that, that. It, it kind of... To be fair, like... T2, heartbroken. He's from Leeds. Okay. That That's kind of funky, yeah. That blew while I was at uni. Okay. So it had like a funky... That's what I mean. The funky and baseline yeah. thing was very close. So like you could easily mix from funky into baseline. And that's oh. where like the genre just grew in general. So like you had the head, shoulders, knees and toes, but you had the heartbroken sound. Like it was like funky garage and baseline was all kind of coming together. together. Yeah. So it was not, so again, I was just really happy to see like I could rep leads. I was like, oh, I knew about this song before. And like, mm. I could rep London with the funky house sound and like just seeing music in general blow up. Like in UK music in its own right blow up as well. Mm. Like and such a like you know, T2 Heartbroken was a commercial song. Mm. Still gets played on radio now. Mm. Like that was a beautiful thing to witness. So yes and no, Funky House, like I don't I don't know what happened with it in Leeds after that, but I know that the UK sound became popping from yeah. then on, not because of me, but from like 2010, Tiny Temple Pass Out, mm. the UK sound was evolving and moving really quickly. So I was already like, yeah, okay, UK is doing this bit. So as soon as I got back to London, I was very much like, I need to be like interviewing everyone and being everywhere to see and witness UK music. After uni? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out all the time. That's all I did. Like I worked with I Love Live, Urban Development, Link Up TV, uh, bigger fish like these were like all like big contribu- contributors to like That's the UK big. music scene yeah. so I like worked with all of those companies and just wanted to immerse myself in music and mm. always begging them can I be your presenter can I be your presenter That's what I was going to ask because I feel like back in the day maybe I'm a bit shy or people are a bit less you know, ballsy with it. But how did you get your foot in the door when it comes to working with these companies straight after uni? Were you not shy? Or did you not have any... Nah, you ain't got time for be shy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, like, think about it. You're out of uni. Yeah. And you, the only way, you're, you know, the only way you can get the job that you want is to put yourself out there. So mm. I'm telling everyone, I'm a presenter, can you book me? I'm a presenter, I want to host, I'm a presenter. But who, who are you telling these things? Because back, back in the day, did you go to events? Did you still use Facebook? And then you just yeah, say, look, everything. Just, just trust me, I'm good. And was... So so funny enough, um, I actually had my first ever showreel made second year of uni um, because I was also an athlete. So I used to do athletics oh. and I got picked to be a Nike women ambassador when I was 19. So I used to travel around the UK promoting. I knew it. I knew you did athletics, sorry. Cause oh. Because when I look at your um, arms sometimes, like in interviews, no, oh, no, no, like, no, like, no, 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 but there's been interviews that I've seen, I'm like, she must do weights or something. Cause ah. your arms are proper like, sorry to interrupt you. I was like, there's uh, that's something I need to ask her. That makes sense. Yeah, makes yeah, yeah. Sense. So I used to do athletics and um, got picked to be a Nike women's ambassador. So they sent us around the UK, just encourage, encouraging other women to get into athletics. Mm. And so that meant they were always recording us, always filming us. And um, 
because I was part of the campaign. But I told them, again, I'm studying broadcast journalism. I want to be a presenter. Like, can I present? And they were like, oh, yeah, we've got an opportunity. So my first, it was unpaid, but they gave us free everything. Like, free travel up and down the country, free really? hotels, free dinners, free, free, free clothes. Like, Your I was kitted was out for a year. Like, Nike was everything. So um, I basically worked with them and they were really nice enough to do it for free. They did not have to do this. But the production company I was working for called AKQA, massive company still to this day, they said, we will make you a showreel. And they made me my first ever showreel. It's terrible, but it's still my YouTube Is that, is that the agency, AKQA? Yeah, like, they're like a production company slash agency slash like do they I'm, I'm sure they still do big like nike campaigns yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. stuff like that so um and yeah. they made it for free for you yeah why was it terrible oh in comparison to now but uh, then i was gassed oh my god a free showreel something uh, my uni lecturer has been telling me you need a showreel need mm. a showreel so when i got out of uni i was sending that everywhere even though it was sports based it was very energetic and very me mm. so like it was me. Hi guys, like literally all of that stuff, and um, yeah, I just sent it everywhere. So, how did you figure out your presenting style as well when you first started? Like, how did you figure out? Okay, this is the type of presenter. Because again, I noticed noticing different people. There's different types of styles that people have that work for them. What made you feel like, you know, yeah, I'm comfortable with my style? Um, in all honesty, I knew there weren't many black girls that were doing what I was doing at the time. Mm. Like back then you had S you had Georgia LA on SBTV uh, or Clara Hermit, Clara Hermit, sorry, on SB, on GRM Daily. Mm. Also before that was Donatella on GRM Daily. And like, so GRM Daily always went for a like, or Grime Daily back then, sexy, the busty girls. And then SBTV was Georgia LA, which was very like, hi. I'm white and I'm going yeah. to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to immerse myself in black, black culture. culture. By yeah. the way, that's no shade. Yeah. But it was a very specific angle mm. to be like, white girl explores rap and she knows about it. Wow. wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, back then, it. that was an angle. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Okay, I'm not the busty girl. Um, <laughs> I'm black. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to be a black girl. Like, <laughs> Literally, that was my thing. Like, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to be me. And yeah. like, I didn't want to be sexy. One, I didn't know how to be sexy. Two, I didn't ever pretend that I knew everything about the culture because I didn't. Mm. I was learning as we're going along. Mm -mm. So like, or I was following my heart and what I liked. I was mm. following my interests. I was following my tastes. So I was like, oh, I love this song. Okay, cool. Tiny Temper, oh, I really want to try and get an interview with Tiny Temper, blah, 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 blah. Like, stuff like that. Mm. Like, I pursued things that I was interested in, not mm. because, oh, my gosh, they're famous. No, that, sang, that song bangs. I want to know about it. Who produced it? Labyrinth. Oh, now I know about that. Like, I was very much right. like, I'm trying to find out who is popping. Like, that was my, that was my only... Goal. goal so i want to i want to see who's popping mm. and talk to them and be excited with them <laughs> like, no, that, that was it i was hype <laughs> so the, the thing is that's dope to hear because i feel like again some presenters or some people in general they just do things because that's the way you need to do it or that's how that's what you should be interested in so i hear a lot of people say that they, they do things that they're not necessarily interested in when it comes to presenting and everything just yeah. because it pays yeah have you have you had to do that or would you what, say like, like had to in general what taking a job because it pays yeah yeah um i don't take jobs because they're paid 
But if I've never done it before and it pays, and you, I'm intrigued. It. Right, okay. I'll try it. Okay. So I did loads of corporate jobs, which were really boring, like, but paid really well. Um, so exa- for example, like I went to Barcelona and hosted like an international conference for like a tech company. Most of the day was not in English. And I had to do intros and outros of keynote speakers who are speaking in Arabic, Chinese uh, or Mandarin or like just not speaking in English. So I'm, and when I say these keynotes, it's like all day from like nine to six, back to back keynotes, each one's an hour long. And I'm literally doing intro and outro for 30 seconds on each either side. And you have to sit there. And, and I'm sitting there. there like trying not to fall asleep. And it's just because they wanted a well-spoken English person to be the moderator. And right, I'm like, I see. but I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> How did you find that? Oh my God, it was the worst day of my life. It was the worst two days of my life. It was two days. You couldn't even be on the phone. You couldn't. Because it would look unprofessional. I was just literally like reading the pamphlets. Did not even have a translator or anything. So the thing is, they were like, oh, we can we can give you headsets where they translate it. Cause like, you know, so, like these really expensive tech companies, mm. they can give you headsets and you can find your language mm. and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I still don't know what they're talking about. Cause they're <laughs> talking about tech. <laughs> so even if I find the English channel, like I still don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> So I was like, it's still a language to me. Yeah, know. literally, literally, you're talking jargon. So I'm like, let me just, let me just hold this. Like, <laughs> it paid very well, and I was just like, oh man, yeah, I'm really upset. Yeah, that that does sound really right. far Even... from home. <laughs> like, literally, literally, like literally, yeah, he was far. Like, really far from home. I'm bored. Oh no. So that's when I was like, okay, it was nice to go to Barcelona, but don't do that yeah. to yourself again. Like. Do not do that to yourself again. Because what is the job? Is it something you're passionate about? Mm. Is it something you care about? Is it something that might actually interest you? Mm. If not, I can't lie. The money, money's great. But my mental health... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's greater. And yeah. it more. I completely feel yeah. it. And a lot of the time, I was really stressed. Because um, as well, like, the language barriers as well. I'm like, do people actually understand what I'm saying? Mm. Saying names, oh my gosh. Like, you do rehearsals learning names but as soon as you get up there it goes you're like, on your own yeah. like I spent an hour practicing that and I got up there and said it wrong whoops <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, so like it's so embarrassing like it's it? so embarrassing because when you do live shows especially when there's like you know international like um like you know governors and like high commissioners and like you know head CEOs of big bills like big companies yes and it's like oh my gosh these like millionaires and I'm like butchering your name like that's when I was like yeah this isn't for me like yeah you know sometimes some people are good at like doing corporate jobs and just saying it with their chest confidently I realized that I can do it but like this was that was a few that was years ago that was probably like was that before Capital Extra it might have been or around the time I just started Capital Extra, like probably like 2016, 17, maybe 2018. So it was a while mm. ago. I was still like, you know, I just see it as a learning curve. That's the thing, because I feel like at least you tried it. Yeah. And you can't turn around and say, oh, I should have taken that. Because if at any point you needed that money, you should be like, oh, I should have just taken that job. You know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So at least you tried it and you know. Yeah, like, I tried. And I'm not- like, yo, those, 
those jobs aren't for me. Like some yeah. people are really good at speaking. Like, you know, people that have multiple languages, they know like the connotations in how to pronounce certain like, you know, cultural, whatever yeah, yeah, the, yeah. you know, embellishments are. I don't, I yeah. don't. Like, you know, I'm a girl from North London. <laughs> so stick to yeah. more for Barely, to barely greet my own like Nigerian family, <laughs> let alone when I go to Nigeria, they're like, oh, let <laughs> me not even go there. But... <laughs> Oh, gosh. So back, just quickly going back to when you finished uni and you started working for all these different companies, right? Did you understand how you was going to make money? Because like I said to you before off, offline, I think one of my main concerns in the entertainment industry was like, even being a singer, I'm not a singer, but I'm just like, how do people, like, of course, big singers make money and yeah. big presenters make money, but you have to start from somewhere. So where, like, how did that journey evolve for you? And how did you figure out where the mainstreams of income were? Um, yeah, so I went to, I graduated from uni. Um, quite quickly, I started doing work experience at a radio community radio station called Bang. Um, there I realised that, you know, you don't always get paid for community radio. And I was like an assistant, so it was like an internship, like work experience. Not very well paid, but I was so happy to be there. I was like, I'll, I'll do it. And mm. like, it was really low paid. Like, what's low? Five pound a day. Like, didn't even that's not even legal no, it didn't even cover travel back then five like, a day yeah like at some point someone was like because mm. I think they didn't realise how far I was travelling from so they saw it as like oh you can go Sam's Chicken get two for two like that's how they saw it they were like oh I'm like guys I live in like, Holloway and I'm travelling to Halston every day and they were like oh my god oh we'll see if we can give you some more money and ten pounds a day I think it went it went up a little bit. I can't remember, but I remember I remember the five pound a day days, and I was like, "Yeah, but didn't that put you off?" I think, "Oh, this industry." What the I knew hell? it was community radio, so okay, I understood that right. there is actually no money here, and I okay. really enjoyed being in that, that station and in that environment. Um, but then eventually, I actually had to leave because I couldn't afford to be there anymore, mm. and I was my overdraft was finished, and I had to get a, a part time job, and I was like, "Guys, I can't come no more because I've got to get." Money. Yeah. yeah so I was doing loads of part-time jobs for ages like um bar work and catering shifts and everything under the sun mm. retail and that that was for a long time yeah how long I was gonna ask you how long oh I quit retail maybe tell a lie I was doing yeah this is where it gets, gets a bit muddy because I've always had part-time jobs but always had presenter jobs right I see so like they were always together right like, as soon as I graduated uni I do you know help out events help like so again it'd be like expenses and all that kind of stuff so mm. nothing was ever paid for a very long time so I always had a part-time job because nothing was paid right I see so it was like but you so but when you were doing that mm. and I'm guessing you had friends that did other courses that were probably getting grad jobs and yeah, yeah, all yeah. of that what was your your vision and your mindset because you have to be very tunnel vision and know like the long term goal for you to endure that so what was your mindset at the time I was like I'm going to be a presenter I'm going to be on TV soon <laughs> like, like so that's all it was yeah. like, I'm going to be on TV soon like Fingers crossed, I'm going to be on TV soon. You were just focused. Fingers crossed, I'm going to be on radio soon. That was it. Like, it was always like, this will work. But hosting is where I actually started to make money. So I started hosting comedy shows, started hosting... Um, I Love Lab was the, one of the first music shows I started hosting. So I started off as guest list girl, 
just asking people if you want to come I'll put your name on down the guest list it was five pounds to be on guest list and I'd get a pound for every person that came okay. so if 20 people came 20 pounds okay. so and like, sometimes I'd do really good and have like 50 people come so I'd okay. have 50 pounds just to promote Yeah. so that was fine and then I was really keen so like the head of the company was like hey you should you know help us a little bit more like be an assistant when we're filming doing interviews mm. I'm like cool so I was like helping with like the equipment and blah 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 then it was like actually we could do a presenter do you want to present it so I started presenting mm. so doing all the interviews at Isle of Life and then from there um, like, let's say one day not even let's say it happened one day the presenter wasn't available and they were like oh my god we haven't got a presenter we haven't got a host we're our host that's it and then they, they was like, okay, let's pay you to host. So now I'm the host it. of I Love Live. Oh, Like, amazing. that's how it progressed like that. So then you see, people see, and I Love Live was massive. Still is, but was yeah. massive back then. Like, that's where we saw Ed Sheeran for the first time. That's where we really? saw Jesse J for the first time. I didn't time. know that. Oh, my God. That's where we saw Retri 2 for the first time. So we saw, like, so many artists. And Emily, you interviewed them? Emily Sant. Yeah. Emily. To be fair, back then, we weren't doing the filming yet. So it was only when we moved to the second venue. So I was an assistant at that time and uh, doing guests at that time. Like, but like Emily Sunday was discovered there. Like so many people were discovered at I Love Live. Uh, so it already had a sick reputation. So when I started hosting it, people were like, rah, you're the host of I Love Live already. Uh, so that, that started really getting helped. other bookings. Oh, can you host my event? Can you host my event? Uh, so I was able to then start charging to host other people's events. How did you know what to charge? Like, what's, what's the range that people should be charging for? Usually back then it was probably like, Fifty pound, hundred pound. Really? Yeah. That's that's different to the prices now that we oh, get quoted. Yeah, one hundred percent. But like back then, it was just like, oh, I'm getting paid to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was like, that's oh, good. This is nice. That's a nice transition. Yeah. Or if someone offered you, like, they were like, oh, we've only got two hundred fifty pound. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> if someone's offering you something, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that'll do. That, that's the fee. That'll work. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of had the benchmark of, like. Um, fifty pounds is the lowest I'll do it for. Okay, and then anything happened after that. But then also I used to give myself like an annual raise. <laughs> so like I'd start off being like, one year I'm like, okay, I'm charging a hundred pound a show. Next year, ooh, hundred and fifty. Ooh, but like, that's life. Though. I gave myself promotions every yeah. year. Yeah. So two hundred. Ooh, two hundred fifty. And I was like, ooh, three hundred. <laughs> ooh, like literally gave myself promotions. So but I, everyone should do that. Yeah, definitely. Like what? What? Um, at the time. Sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, no. At the time, did you have any peers that you were doing this with? Because, again, yeah. I feel like it's easier to go on this journey, especially when it's so um, agile, to do it with someone beside you. So who who was kind of rocking with you at the time? Definitely um, uh, another presenter and host. She now is, like, a creative babe now. Um, Mika Abraham, she was always, like... People would always ask, if would you like a co-host? Would you recommend anyone to be your co-host? So I always used to recommend Mika. Um, me and Poet had a stint. Poet, okay. who does a lot of like sports content now. Back then, he he used to have a a show called That's a Rap That's a Rap Show. He mm. was massive. It was on like GRM and like Channel U and Channel AKA. So we used to get paired up quite a bit. Um, again, another person I used to always bring in was my friend Kay Curd. He's like a really successful comedian now. Mm. So again, I had people that I was like, ah, oh, if I'm gonna have a co-host. That's the person. So mainly Mika and Mika and Mika and Kay were my go-tos. Mm. But I was paired up with like Michael Dapper and like yeah, loads of people that are like doing well now. We mm. were all there early doors back then. 
So what what makes a good co-host as well? Because you know sometimes you see people work together and you're like, oh, that works really good, like that's good. And sometimes it's like, oh, this feels a bit like different. So what what makes a good co-host for you? Someone that's not an energy sucker. Like someone that you don't you don't have to fight for mm. your time. Like it should be flowing. It should be like, you know, Alicia, what's coming up next? Do you know what I mean? Handovers. Very open to like share the spotlight rather than me, 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 me. Like it, you are working together. And like if you see your co-host like not understanding or not even maybe mm. not remembering what's coming up next. Be like, um, oh, you're about to tell them that our next act is about right, to come on, right? I yes, see. you're right. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Bring it up. Welcome. Da, da, da. Do you know what I mean? Always having each other's back. So rather than... I'm here to host and da 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 and I'm, 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 no. Like, it needs to be balanced. Have you felt that before? You don't have to say any names. Have you felt that before? Where you're oh, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, sometimes you have to fight. But, really? but I don't fight. If I see someone hogging the stage. You let them? I can't lie. I, I don't fade in the background, but I reserve myself because I'm not, I, I save my energy. <laughs> like, go crazy. And if, and sometimes... You know, you always have the more energetic one and the mm. more sensible one. Sometimes people actually like that vibe. So mm. you let them do their thing. If they're going to dance, go crazy. Woo! Cheer them on. Like, <laughs> like and, and that's yeah, it. just like, don't fight and be like, oh my God, I'm going to battle you. No, yeah. Mm, 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 that looks tacky. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I just feel like be a good supporter of your co-host. That I think that's such a good attitude. Co-hosting is supporting each other, picking up the energy. If they're if like for example, let's say their energy is lacking, mm. and be like, "Come on, man, what should we do next? Yeah, let's yeah, do a yeah, little yeah. like call and response. You take that half, I'll take this half. You call them. I don't like you know, a little something fun like you can yeah. you help them, or like for example, like if we know something's going wrong with the script or with the with the schedule, be like Mika." I know you're gonna you're gonna do this. I, I'm literally. I feel like yeah. I'm right back there. That's why I said Mika. <laughs> like, I I'm gonna go check see if our next act's ready. While you see what's happening with the crowd right now. See where everyone's from. Right. She's like, cool. Okay, cool. Where's my North Londoners at? So I'll go Got back you. check. Guys, what's going on? Is the next <laughs> act ready? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Got okay, you. I'm back. Big up North London way. Like, do you That's know what I mean? How you do it? So I come back to. I've got the information now. Okay, cool. Now that we found out where everyone's at, I can tell you who our next act is. Like you can stall oh, even more. You can like help each other out and like yeah, that help makes each other's sense. back. Do you know? As you're saying this, I'm getting a flashback to um, back years ago when I co-hosted with someone from uni. Um, it was actually at Sanctuary. I don't know if you heard of Sanctuary London. Yes. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who um, Essie put it on and she fired us after this. Oh. So. <laughs> I never forget now. Uh, I remember. I remember. Getz was also at that show and was hosting, and basically the the crowd wasn't listening to us. Oh yeah, it happens. It and, happens. and so I was just like, I don't know what to do. And then my co-host, she was like, everybody be quiet. And I was just like, oh, literally, she shouted at the crowd, and I was and I was just standing there like, oh, this is awkward. And I was like, what do we do? No one, no one told us what to do. Like, oh no! Have you had situations like that before? Of course. Like, what do you do? Okay, my rule is never beef the audience because right. you will never win. Okay. There is more of them than there is of you. Mm. Try and win them over. Like, oh, that's hard. But do what you got to do to like get their attention. Like my thing is that like, if a crowd's unruly, 
I might go in the crowd and be like, okay, I see everyone's having a good time mingling, all right. But okay, let's see. Like, even interview them. Like, make, mm. like, I see you in the front talking. All right, what are you talking about? Right. Bring us in. Like, okay. try and play off of it and be like, okay, cool. All right, now that I've got your attention, this is what's coming up. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, try and, like, ease them in. The same way with a child. If a child's misbehaving, yeah. I'm not saying that everyone's like a child, but, like, in that scenario, they're doing their own thing in their own world. You gotta get their attention. You can't be like, "Hey, yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah," because it will just make Why, them like, yeah, it's like raw. Why are you shouting yeah. at me? Yeah, and that's what happened. That's what happens. I didn't do shouting though. Yeah, no, no, but, I'm no, but then you awkward. felt the brunt of it because they're like, "Raw, you two are mad." Yeah, so it's kind of like trying to just be like, be like, "Okay, all right, here you're a bit rowdy today. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Don't worry. Bring that same energy when I bring on my next guest. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah." yeah. Like, yeah, try, try and win them over. Noted, just in case it happens. Just in case you decide to rehire us, Essie. <laughs> yeah, try, <laughs> try and always. Like, I've seen it so many times and I'm like, ah, it's awkward. Yeah, they, can't, they don't like you no more. Oh, no, ah. and it's not, you're not going to get it back. Yeah, it, you can, but it's hard. It's like when a, if, like, when a comedian's being heckled, you got a, the comedian's jokes got a bang. Yeah. Otherwise, it's over. You've had your like, if the that. Yeah, of course. If the heckler he like heckles you to the point of no return, it's finished. Your show's done. Is it? Yeah, just try and win them over, like, or at least get the other crowd to laugh with you. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, right? You're calling me? <laughs> Is it me? I'm yeah. an idiot. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll be like, guys, really? Am I an idiot? Nah. Okay, cool. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. try and win it. But I'm not a comedian. But at the same time, I understand, like dynamics like if the energy's low in the room bring them up if the energy's too high bring them down yeah. like you have to your crowd you are giving your energy to them and you've got to match theirs as well so yeah have you had times or days where you just don't feel like it you're not in the mood yeah 100 percent. how do you if i ain't got nothing to do i ain't gonna do nothing <laughs> i am very much aware of uh, what's the word? Um, what's the word? When when you when you've had enough burnout, mm. burnout is a problem. Mm. So notice it when you need to notice it. Like if you're like, I'm not feeling good today, and if I don't have a nap or if I don't rest, mm. I'm gonna be wiped up for the whole week. Mm. Like even today, like I didn't get that much sleep tonight. I'm like, I need to have a good night's sleep. Mm. Like I need to make sure I, I prioritize going to bed early. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't always happen, but like, okay, cool. If not, I'm going to nap tomorrow. Mm. And like, you know, if to, if not tomorrow, I'm going to make sure I enjoy the day and do things I like and like treat yourself. Mm. Like, you know, you've got to enjoy your job. Otherwise. It's draining. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really do listen to my body and like my emotions. Yeah. Do you know what? I started doing that recently as well and I feel like it's definitely having an impact where I'm like, I need to do this, but I'm, I'm tired. So yeah, let me go sleep. sleep. Yeah. Maybe not. You you can still make time for it later or yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And you're not productive. Like when you're super, super tired, yeah, sure. you don't do things as well as you would usually so as true. well. So that's, that's really, really good advice. So I, I want to know, where was your biggest break then? Was I Love Live your big break or was... Was it Capital Extra? Where, where would you say your big break It's a was? mixture because I don't feel like I've had my big break yet. Really? No. You don't think so? No. Well, hey, where, where are we manifesting to, like, to I want to have my own go? TV show. Okay. I want to like, you know, be... I can see that. A regular entertainment TV host, like doing regular shows and like regular entertainment formats, live content, all that kind of stuff. So I want it to be, yeah, like... 
Yeah, I just want more. <laughs> what's what's blocking you from, do you think, getting to that next Like, What is it that you need? Nothing's blocking me. It just hasn't happened yet. It's just time? Yeah. Okay. I just... do truly believe it's like, you know, everyone's journey is different and that hasn't happened for me yet. But I've been, I've been enjoying the journey. I've been impatient. Don't, like, don't ever get it. <laughs> I've been impatient. I've been frustrated. But that part is coming. Yeah. And pro- probably, like, you know, God's maturing me for that part. So I accept it as it's coming. Manifesting your own show, right? What what would it be about? Would it be a daytime one? Would it be a nighttime one? Would it At like, the what minute, type of vibe would it be? I see like in all honesty, like I see a Saturday night entertainment show okay. or Friday night entertainment show. So in the place of like or running after before or, you know, seasonally amongst mm. um Jonathan Ross, Graham Norton, like Mo Gilligan's a big inspiration of mine. Mm. So like, you know, what he's done with the latest show is incredible. Mm. Like looking overseas, like James Corden, Ellen DeGeneres, like, you know, I see I see an entertainment show that is just packed with loads of interesting things. But I just don't think it's happened yet. So mm. that's why like I always believe I've always said that the reason people are always shocked by like my my vision mm. is because they've just never seen it yet. So they've got nothing mm. to compare it to. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, oh, I want to have a late night entertainment show. And they were like, what's it going to be like? And I'm like, no, it's not. It hasn't happened yet. So I, like, I can tell you what it, what it would be inspired by. Mm-mm. But I can't tell you what it is yet. Like, not because I'm hiding it, but like, you, you, you probably don't I, even I personally believe yeah. it's still it's still, it's still being coming. created and brewing. Yeah. Whether that's like in six months, in a year or whatever it is, yeah. I'm like, it's still brewing. Yeah. So the person I'm going to be is what it's going to be. Got you. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes so, a lot of sense. Because like Graham Norton's Graham Norton because he's lived that life. Jonathan mm. Ross is Jonathan Ross and his show is a re- like, you know, a representation of him. Mm. So, you know, these guys are seasoned comedians, seasoned film, like, enthusiasts, mm. seasoned, like, you know, they've done live TV, like, mm. they've got experience in so many different avenues to build them up so that their show can be so well-produced. Mm. So, like, I'm working towards making sure, like, everything I put, put out there is well-produced. So, yeah. What's it been like being a black woman who's in in this industry in the UK as well? I think the, the UK have a real struggle with accepting that more than one black woman can work in the industry at one time. Like, they see it as, oh, but we already got... And that's not how you should see it. Because, like, if I'd said that about a white presenter, oh, we've already got five blonde-haired women, they'd be like, yeah, but she's like this and she's like that. Start seeing black people as different Mm. types of presenters and broadcasters. Mm. We are not all the same. We are not all urban. Mm. We're not all from South London. Mm. We're not, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've got this like idea of like, that like, you know, what what's often heard is that, that, you know, oh, you know, Middle England can't relate to a black woman. I was like, what do you mean? Like there are black women in Middle England. Exactly. So what are you talking about? But like there, I feel like the industry has an idea or keeps conforming to an idea of what a black woman should look like, act mm. like, all that kind of stuff. So, it is kind of like frustrating showing them something new and being like, I'm not like her. I'm as good as her. Mm. Like, don't don't compare us. Don't be like, she's better than her, so she should get it. Yeah, exactly. There's no, like, there shouldn't be a priority of like, sh- like or there shouldn't be like a gauge of like, oh, we can replace her now because we found a new one. Right. That's ridiculous. Like, when are we going to have like a show with like, 
maybe two black women presenting together. To be fair, I, we did do that. Like the show that I was on on Sky, mm. like it was me, um, my good friend Jacqueline Shepard. We were co-presenters and people were like, oh, two black wow. women. My goodness, it's crazy. Yeah. And we were like, nah, like. We're both good and we just happen to work together. Exactly. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh, don't need just one. And it's like, you know, it was, yeah, it was, I feel like we need to see more of that. Like we saw Strictly Come dan Dancing, like Tess Daly and like Claudia Winkleman present that together. Two white women. <gasps> it can happen. Yeah. And so it's two black women. <gasps> Let's do it and stop gasping. <laughs> So, no, so what what would you say to because there's quite a few aspiring TV presenters in our network that are women, black women as well. What what advice would you give to them? Them not being really anywhere in their career where they want to be. What what would you kind of say to them? You just gotta do it. Like you gotta get started. Whatever your idea is, like if you want to start a podcast, if you want to do some online content, yeah. if you want to do, if you want to get into radio. Start practicing, start doing it, start recording yourself, start uh, researching how to get in, Googling, like you just need to start, like, honestly. Mm. That's the only advice I can do and give because that's all I did. How did you get into Capital, one extra? So I originally did work experience at Trace FM for two weeks. While I was there, I think it extended, so it was like on and off whenever they needed an extra pair of hands, they'd call me. So it was like ad hoc for maybe like, sorry, that was loud. <laughs> it was ad hoc for probably, I think that was like February. And then by April, there were some changes. So they'd call me now and again. And they were like, oh, we can't have you come in and help us anymore in Chase FM. And I was like, oh, that's sad. And somehow, Someone at Capital overheard mm. that I was going to be going. And they were like, who's that girl? Oh, I've seen her helping out at Choice. Maybe she can help out at Capital. Oh. So literally one of the managers just came over and he was like, oh, do you want to help out at Capital for a while? And I was like, oh, okay. So I was helping out on the Capital breakfast show. This was back when it was Dave Berry and Lisa Snowden. So it was like 2012. And one week turned into two years. That's incredible. you just been like a, a junior a producer? Just, or just... just assistant. That and literally just assistant in the studio. So that meant any anything and everything. Greeting greeting guests, doing research for for interviews, um, doing errands, like literally ridiculous. Coffee, teas, donuts, coffees, right. lunch, br breakfast, blah blah blah, all of that. Um, did that for two years. The breakfast show starts at six a.m. Two years, Monday to Friday, six a.m. till ten a.m. Probably leave around eleven because I'd always like send over whatever I just found for that day or whatever. Mm. Um, and that's simultaneously while outside doing mm. I Love Live, presenting with Link Up TV, doing all these other things. Um, and then I actually started doing, there was a a scheme called Extra Talent on BBC Radio and Extra. Mm. So I was like, well, I'm not getting any opportunities at Choice FM or Capital to mm. be on air. Let me go for that. Mm. Applied for Extra Talent. They loved me, asked me to do it a few times, asked me to even do a pilot for a radio show. Pilot didn't go through, but they kept on asking me to come back to do like the extra talent scheme. Mm. So you'd get to have your own show for an hour mm. once a week in a month. Mm. I did it twice, I think. And, um, but then the second time I did it, Capital found out and they were like, you work for BBC. And I was like, I'm not getting paid. And they were like, yeah, but you can't work for the BBC and work for Capital. And I'm like, what? And they were like, yeah, you got to choose. And I was like, well, 
I choose the BBC because I'm actually on air. And they were like, hmm, all right. And like pretty much they were and like... They, and they let you go? Yeah. But they were also pretty much like, you should go. <laughs> so I kind of got asked to leave, but also was like, I'd much rather be on air yeah, than just yeah. sitting. But the only unfortunate thing was I was getting paid to a be capital. a capital assistant. Yeah. I wasn't getting paid to do the talent scheme. Right. So it was like, oh, crap. That's so difficult. I've just lost a job. Yeah. Paid job in a radio station to do something. But at least I got some air miles mm. and I got to create a demo from that. So after Extra Talent finished, again, I was back on the streets hustling. <laughs> Part-time jobs here, there and everywhere. And then, but still doing like community radio shows, Started my own um, podcast back in the day. I had a podcast in like 2013. Is it? About yeah. what? Yeah. Um, it's called Rate Me Please. And it was okay. basically people sending music and I'd get like a panel of people to rate the music. Oh, yeah. So okay. that, and then it turned into an event. So I used to run my own events, the podcast. I'd be booked for events. So I was busy. Busy, yeah. Like very busy. Just making money wherever I could. Part-time work. And again, I started vlogging. So started talking about events and like all that kind of stuff. A couple of my videos went kind of like back then viral. Mm. So like they'd get like 50K or like whatever. That, like back then that was a lot mm. of views. That is still a lot of views there. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, back then it was like, whoa, you got 50K in one, mm. one night. That was crazy. Um, and then one extra got in touch again and they were like, oh, we're loving all this stuff you're posting. Like, this is interesting. But Capital? No, or, no, no, BBC, BBC One Extra. Oh, yeah, okay. BBC Radio One Extra. And they were like, oh, we want you to like, you know, come on and like talk to Charlie Sloth and tell him what's happening in the industry right now. So I became like this kind of like insider. And then, oh, yeah. And okay. then after that, on top of that, they were like, no, we actually want you to cover some shows. So from 2015 to 2017, I was a cover presenter on, on BBC Radio 1 Extra. And it was great. Got to do shows. I did like, often did like, um, like, the weekend breakfast or Saturday one till four and like, or Saturday 10 to one. Like I did so many slots over the weekend on BBC One Extra, but I was getting really frustrated because they weren't offering me my own show. So- Do you know why that was though? So radio's weird. Like you have to wait for someone to leave before a slot becomes available. Got you. Or they have to love you to make things move for you. And like, I was good, but I wasn't clearly a star in their eyes at that right. time. Okay. And like, no discredit to myself, but like, I was still very much on the come up. Mm. So it wasn't like a big need to like... Boot someone out. Yeah, or do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, the, the schedule was solid back then. Mm. Like, you know, these were like broadcasters who'd been doing it for time. Mm. They weren't moving them off for me. Mm. So it was really upsetting. And like, I did see a couple moves and I was like, oh, like, why didn't How I get that? Yeah. Why didn't I get that? But again, it wasn't my time. But... There was a quiet period, start of 2017. And I was like, raw man, I haven't heard from one extra in a time. Out of the blue, got an email from what had then been turned into Capital Extra. The whole rebrand had happened. Got an email saying, do you want a demo? That was it. And that's demoing your own show? And I got my own show. That's sick. Out of the blue. Like, and Look it was, at God. And it was literally a manager who at the time, I didn't know what his job was. So back when I was the tea girl and capital mm. assistant, I always used to see him in the building. And he'd be like, right, Ramel. I'm like, right, Mike. <laughs> Do you want a tea, Mike? He's like, yeah, babe, give me a tea. Right. Not knowing that this guy was like a senior manager. I just always saw him. 
Kids uh, always just like you know wandering around. Wandering around. I, I don't know why I was wandering around the building. Um, and he was like, "Hey, Ramel, I've loved seeing your growth since you left us. Um, we'd love to invite you back to do a demo for your own show." And I was like, "Mike, you're important." <laughs> Had no idea Mike was important. That's amazing. Literally, and he was like, oh, "I always remembered you. You know, he was always so pleasant. Always gave me tea." Literally. See, this is why it pays to be a decent human being <laughs> at all. No, it does at it's all stages, stages of life because you don't know who's watching you. Very true. Like, that's amazing. Very How true. did that feel? Amazing. Because I walked back in like, way. y'all thought I was gone. Uh-huh. Bet, baby. So, um, yeah, I came back in, had my own show. And that's where Saturday afternoons, one till four, started. That's yeah. so sick. And I know you've you've ended that now. Yeah. But we're on to, we're, we're manifesting even more. Mate, we're doing right? more. We're, like, we're, we're just out, we're out here, like, just claiming that, you know, I do loads of voiceovers. I do loads of, like, uh, digital content. I do hosting and TV's definitely around the corner. So um, there's lots of little, like, not even little, there's lots of things happening at the minute. Yeah. So um, I'm content that that chapter of my, of my life it's closed. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do radio ever again. Mm. But just for now, like, I want to explore other things and, like, mm. at least have a little Saturday lion. Yeah, yeah, because that's every single Saturday. Yeah, like, six years. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, I'm guessing you'd have to get covers if you go to, like, holidays. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah so. and, and you didn't get, like, you know, you get... Same was like, with, a, like, any other job, you get a certain amount of, oh. like, time off. And, like, because I was only on once a week, I didn't get a lot of time off. Because right. they kind of saw it as like, you can still do other things. So, and I was like, oh, like, if you wanted to have a good two week holiday, it's like, oh, I really got to think, should I give up that Saturday or should I try and come back on time? Yeah. To just do the show and then go away again or whatever that. And you couldn't recall from where you were? No, 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 no. Radio was live. Okay. So, so that's, yeah. that's, that's annoying. But. Congrats anyway, because I always feel like whenever someone um, closes the door to something, it's like, this is congrats because we're welcoming something else that we don't know that's, that's there Amen, yet. So, amen. Do you know what I mean? So mainstream, talk about that. Let's talk about that. You have your event coming up. Yeah, really okay. excited. Let's talk about it. So the mainstream live show, um, I have special guests, Joella Noble and Shante Joseph, both incredible broadcasters, presenters, doing amazing things right now. So... The show is in collaboration with the London Podcast Festival because um, the mainstream predominantly is a podcast, but it's also a creative platform. So mm. I've been really enjoying developing the digital content around like everything, like creative industry mm. and providing events, opportunities to like network and like, have panel discussions. So you can hear from people live in the flesh and like, mm. ask some questions, mm. all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about this event because I'm taking it to a whole new format we do panels but this is gonna feel like the tv show yeah so it's gonna feel a bit different there's new segments new features and like just the style is gonna be so much fun and a lot more me because mm. usually like you know i'm very serious and formal when yeah. i do the podcast but um like you know i've got my, my my notes and like stats and facts and all that kind of stuff and this i'm like i just want to vibe with the with the guests yeah let the audience vibe because it's gonna be in front of a live audience let the audience vibe with the guests as well have fun, include them, and just like share share our experiences in the mainstream. So that's what the mainstream live show is all about. That's gonna be fun. I'm excited because I'll be going. I hope you I hope you're going. I hope, I hope we're all going to the mainstream live. It's gonna be so so much fun. So why did you start the mainstream? Like, let's talk about 
when that started, why you started it in the first place and how people can kind of get involved. Yeah, so funny enough, I actually first did my first ever event in 2017. Um, I always remember this because it was March 22nd, but then my granddad passed away the week later. So the event was so incredible. I had AJ Adudu as like my special guest. It was an in-depth mm. conversation with her. We had drinks, networking, all that kind of stuff. But I did it. I was so proud. And then I was really demotivated. Like, oh my gosh, my granddad's passed. Mm. I'm grieving. I'm going to go into hiding. I went away for a while. And like, I say went away. I just like kept it low key for a couple of months. Like, mm. you know, just dealing with grief is a lot. Mm. And then end of 2017, I got my show on Capital Extra. So I was like, it's a sign. Maybe I'm not supposed to do my own stuff. Maybe I'm supposed to like work for a company. Mm. So I put it on a back burner. Started at Capital Extra. Was enjoying radio, but then I got the itch again. I'm mm. like, ah, oh, I need to do events. Ah, oh, I need to do something. And it was all because people were constantly asking me, "How do you get into the industry? How do you get in?" Mm. And I'm like, all right, I've just got to give them opportunities to to hear and learn. Mm. So that's why the first event happened, but that's why it came back. Right. Because the questions didn't stop coming. People are DMing me like, how'd you get on radio? Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? Da, da, da. I'm like, oh my God, I can't that's answer so these cool. questions. So I'm like, let me just provide opportunities where we can share with each other. So it started mm. off as networking events. Mm. Then I expanded it to a pre presenter workshop. Then I expanded it again to the podcast. And then from there, live panels, and here we are. So it just kept on evolving because of mm. the demand, I guess. The fact that I knew so many people wanted to know more about the industry and mm. didn't know where to turn. So mm. I was like, let me provide a space where people can come together, share with each other, connect and learn from others. That's incredible, you know, and it's so needed because we need to have spaces for the younger generation to elevate and to learn and to learn from mistakes. I'm happy to tell you all my mistakes. You don't have to waste time. <laughs> like, like, no, but honestly, yeah. it's good for you, to, for you to have that platform. Would you say it's mainly for presenters, hosts? Or... So interestingly, the podcast is the driving force of the mainstream Okay, because it started off by interviewing my friends and people had just I just knew mm. people followed me back basically <laughs> but um but I realized I had quite a heavyweight network so like some of my first guests were like good friends of mine like Aaron Roach Bridgman and like Kayade Awumi when Ro um uh what was the hood doc just dropped mm. and like Mo Gilligan was about to do the latest show Clara mm. Ampho had just done an incredible speech about George Floyd and how important it is for the black community to stand up. Mm. I caught all of these people at crazy important times in their lives. Mm. And they all said yes at the right time. And they all were on the podcast and, you know, went on to do like, you know, Vic Hope, Scarlett Douglas, mm. um, Mim Shake, like so many amazing people. Like mm. um, it's gone on, like I've had... To, to now, Nella Rose, Jimmy Akinbola, mm. like the, the the amount of names that have come out are people in my networks, but I've amazingly caught them at great times mm. in their life and they're doing press and yeah. they're really excited to share what they're talking about. And PRs caught onto that as well. PRs were like, hey, we see you interviewing all these amazing people. We want to send more. So then PR started getting in That's touch amazing. and saying, oh, we've got a new show. Oh, there's this this film called Rocks. Then the star of Rocks, Bookie, Bookie Bakre, wins a BAFTA. So I'm like, hold on. All the people that are on my, I mean, I don't know if it's just like, you know, how it is. But all the people yeah. that end up being on the podcast, 
something shortly amazing happens and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so I'm so glad I captured them mid-journey so we post about them we share about them so everyone that ever features on the podcast becomes like the mainstream alumni so we always keep people up to date with what they're doing now and all that kind of stuff and it's just amazing to see the growth of the talent but that also has meant we've interviewed I say we I (laughs) I've interviewed (laughs) like you know filmmakers um Authors, poets like George the poet. Mm. Um, you know, again, when new when new shows are landing, like I did um, a recent interview, Deborah Ayarinde, who's the star of Riches on ITV. I'm like, oh my god, a black show on ITV, and I get to interview the lead, like because That's the PR amazing. reached out. Because everyone understands, everyone's understanding that the mainstream is celebrating black and diverse talent that mm. are making it in the mainstream, mm. and we are continue to we celebrate that. Like, because it's something that does get overlooked. Like, it's one thing for people to be stars, Mm. but it's another thing for black talent, Asian talent, diverse talent to push through and break those barriers. And I'm like, we need to shout even louder for that Mm. because it's rare. And like, do you know what I mean? Like when we do get those beautiful moments, it's like I'm (laughs) shouting as hard as I can because like with the Deborah, Deborah Ayarinde interview, we, we were talking, we're like, no, can we just deep? Yeah. The ITV hasn't had a black full cast on a primetime slot. Friday night, 9 p.m., Riches, ITV. Amazing. Crazy. Yeah. Deborah, how do you feel? That's what I mean by she's a sick, um, incredible actress. She's done amazing in her career. Let's talk about how you got here and let's show people that more people like Deborah can mm. continu- continue. Same with Jimmy Akinbola. Incredible legendary actor, British born, well actually no, Nigerian born, British, but known as being a black British actor, goes to LA and films Bel Air. Everyone's loving the new black Jeffrey. Like, <laughs> we love- inter- Oh, that's who you interviewed? Jimmy, yeah. He is fine. This is what I'm saying. But the Jimmy, the same Jimmy that was in Casualty and the Bill back in the day, now all of a sudden he's in America. He looks fine. Look at that. He looks- we I were like, like, oh, he's Jeffrey. Literally, like, Jimmy. The whole cast, to be fair, is really beautiful. You went to LA and glowed up. He's like, I oh, know. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, that's amazing. Everyone, like, and that's the thing. Jimmy's been in the UK for so long, but you go to America, do your thing, and now you poop, pop. Let's celebrate that, bro. That's like, and, and he's my elder. Like, it's like, you know, but keep showing us that, you know, you can still rep. Like, you know, he has a British accent in the mm. show. Still rep. Black British, mm. even on a like primetime American show. That's what we love celebrating. Like, I want to, I want the mainstream to be an international platform, but at the same time, I'm very proud to showcase black British talent and black Asian talent and black Asian, <laughs> Asian, <laughs> Asian talent yeah, yeah. and like um, diverse talent. Like, we've had, you know, uh, uh, there's one guy, Jay, he was in a show on BBC Three and, um, He's Turkish, I believe. And he was so proud. He was like, I'm on a primetime show on BBC Three and I'm Turkish. I've never seen anyone do a, a role like this. And I'm like, yes, Jay. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm amazing. saying. Like, so it's not yeah. just, it just doesn't stop at just like black and brown. Like, yes, like all cultures. I'm like, let's talk about that because that's never happened before. So that's what we're doing with the mainstream. I love Sorry, that. I got gas. I'm like, yo, no, 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 this is what I do. <laughs> no, 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 but that's but it's amazing. It's so important to to have it there so that people can feel inspired. They can they know they have a point of you know, sometimes you just feel a little bit discouraged because mm. life can just be a bit 
slap you in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have those stories that are right there, readily available, those examples, you're like, no, actually, this person is doing bits. I can do that too. I can do it too. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You see it there. So it's inspirational. Yeah. Like, you're inspirational as well. Well, too. I use these people as inspiration for me. Because it's the reminder. Yeah, like yeah. like I said, I look at Clara. I look at AJ. I look at Vic. I look at Mo. I look at Scarlett. I'm like, oh my gosh, you lot killing it. I yeah. can kill it too. Yeah. That gives me... So even doing the interviews gasses me. I'm like, remind me how you did that again? Okay, I feel, cool. I, I feel, do you know what's crazy? I feel the exact same way yeah. me doing interviews as well because I feel like, oh my, I learned so much. I've, I've always said to myself, even before I started my podcast, I said, forget about everyone else for two seconds. Mm. I... This is for me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is for like, these, these conversations. And that's are for a lot of the reasons why we start these platforms yeah. because it's like, this, I love this for me. Yeah. I want you to experience that too. Yeah, so. exactly. Ramel, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. So, so proud of you. Thank you so much for just being, you're a very decent person. No, like, you, you know, you just have decent. No, you know, someone that's just decent, like pure, you know, you're even a wife now as well. Hey. Show them the ring, yes. Well, I can't go because you're a wife now, so yes. Ah. Um, so, but, oh like, how's it been a wife plus everything it's else? It's great. It's great. Yeah. We're coming up to one year. So like, we're Woo. really, really enjoying the, the journey, the process and like, listen, this summer, I said, hot wife summer. Hey. We went Ibiza. We're having good trips, good times. We had a great honeymoon in, like, oh. Dominican Republic. Like, we're just enjoying, like, you know, each other's company, not forgetting, like, you know, why we're together and, yeah, and rooting for each other because we're both, we're both freelancers. We've got to root for each other. So, <laughs> yeah, we're That's, out here. I love it. I love the whole black club. <laughs> sucks. And honestly, everything is just, it's coming together as a beautiful picture. And thank you, thank you for inspiring me as Aww. well. From back in the day, I've always been like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sick. Like, oh, so you. this is just an honour. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone else is blessed and they feel like they're inspired from this story and interview. Thank you. Any last words for anyone else listening? Um, I would love for you to follow the mainstream um, at the mainstream UK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn. Um, I would love for you to come to the mainstream live show. It's Thursday, the 14th of September at the King's Place. It's part of the London Podcast Festival. It's going to be a live recording. So um, you can listen back if you do miss it. But I'd prefer if you were there in person to enjoy the vibes. So, yes. uh, yeah, hope you hook you and make it. Amazing. Well, I hope to see you guys there. Please make sure you don't miss out. Follow the platforms. And also follow Ramel London as oh, well. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> follow her. I'm like so busy. Like, mainstream, mainstream. Me too. Ramel underscore London. Amazing. Well, thank you again thank so you much. And um, thank you for listening. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, tell your friend about it. We play, we play, all of it. And I'll see you all on the next Black Break Connect podcast episode. Take care. Bye. Woo.